You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows and if you can please give us that five star review on apple Podcasts. plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us here at the lakers fast break and the awesome man indeed who is my guest this time around and his channel nba draft junkies whether it's on dash radio or the run the floor podcast or all the great stuff that he's doing at his youtube channel please go ahead and support the nba draft junkies as always and also if you can please support us at thrivefantasy.com or download thrive fantasy on your app today for daily fantasy sports betting and also player props for the nba nfl Coming soon, MLB, PGA, and eSports. Just go ahead and drop in the code LFB on the checkout on your first deposit, and they'll match it dollar for dollar up to $50 from our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Well, with everything going on in the league, and we're just doing these post-game wrap-ups with the Lakerholics, we thought we'd go ahead and sneak in some NBA updates for everyone out there because I love talking basketball. And theres I don't think there's anybody better I love to talk basketball with then my good friend, indeed, you got to support him today at NBA Draft Junkies. And after you watch or listen to me now, please go ahead and check out everything that he's doing at NBA Draft Junkies. It is the man behind it all. It is Mr. Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, you know it's always great to have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, reaching out to me. Oh, you know it, man. You know it. It's just always great to hear your voice, always great to hear you're doing well, and I, I just cannot thank you enough for being on the show and obviously give you such congratulations each and every time out. What is your current subscriber base at this point in time? Because you always seem to be hitting new highs every time I talk to you. Uh, I haven't looked. I think it's still at 13, so maybe 13, six, somewhere around there. It's actually kind of slow right now as far it, as it, the- it, Yeah, as it gets closer to draft time, I'm sure it picks up for you on that. Yeah. But yeah, right now it's slow. I mean, like, go to NBA Draft. Yeah, I've probably put out. But if you do go to NBA Draft Junkies, actually, now's a good time to go because you're just starting out a lot of your player prospect videos. And I truly enjoyed that better look at Jalen Suggs because I know he has skyrocketed in the drafts. I know Josh Christopher, you have Moses Moody as some of your most recent ones. But again, you're already answering a lot of the questions people have on this upcoming draft which is supposed to be much more prolific, much more interesting, and much more beneficial to NBA teams down the road than this previous season. But we'll get into NBA rookies here in a sec. But 
We're now about seven, eight games in in the NBA season. Anything that really sticks out to you in particular? I mean, obviously, there's still a weeding out process. Playing at home isn't the kind of home advantage that we thought it would be because there's some empty arenas, and obviously it's affecting a lot of the teams that are playing at home right now because they now have, I think, a under 500 record overall, I think, as far as home teams. Yeah, so that's very surprising. But I want to hear your thoughts so far on the NBA season. We'll go ahead and shout out any teams that you want, and we'll take a look at them in in a closer depth if you want. I don't even know where to begin. There's a lot of surprises for example you have denver portland dallas below 500 you can throw san antonio in that mix houston they're below 500 you have the thunder who are pretty much starting from scratch i don't know if the average fan can tell you their starting lineup they have a better record than the timberwolves and then, you know memphis is the last but they're without their two best players then in the yeah. East, Toronto was a team that a lot of people thought was going to at least be competitive and be a playoff team. They're one in five right now. <laughs> it's just a lot of then you know you can go with New York being competitive. The Knicks are above five hundred. Philly looks good. Milwaukee's struggling. They're only four and three. So a lot of surprises early. And then the blowouts. I mean, that's things that has been mentioned a lot. There's been, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I saw some stat where there was like a significant number of games where there was a 30-point lead. It's been something very interesting to watch. Uh, obviously, the, it culminated into the Dallas blowout of the Clippers by over 50 points, but then the Clippers are one of the top teams in the West right now at 5-3, and three, so figure that. Uh, you're right, winner. There, the Toronto is looking up at everyone at one of five. That's got to be one of the biggest surprises when teams like Cleveland, Orlando have prospered so far earlier mm-hmm. this season. That's been very surprising as well. So, I want to ask you this first off let's start off with the team that you're most familiar with, and that is the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, I do think, I have to talk about them? <laughs> well, I, I, I the only reason I say. Uh, well, I'm not and I'm not saying it anyways to like rub it in or something like that, because uh, as if you've heard this show and those who've listened to it, have heard previous episodes, Tom and I are both, you know, have a concern as far as the Lakers right now, as far as going through the motions and things of that nature. And they're not playing up to their capabilities. But Portland, I was always concerned, even with the I thought was a very good offseason. It was the defense. And I think they're, what, 29th or 30th on defense right now? And that's got to be a big concern of yours going forward. Yeah. um, You have – looks like Nurkic is not in good shape. And then you have Carmelo and Cantor. You have those three guys that won and a lot – and for a significant amount of time, both are on the floor. Two are on the floor at the same time. It's going to – give up a lot of jump shots. I mean, like, when I watched the Golden State game, it was Draymond setting a screen, and then you'd have Steph going downhill against Nurkic, Cantor, or even Melo. And, you know, neither one of those guys want to come out and defend him in space. So they prefer to drop back, which you can't go under Steph's screens. That leaves a open jump shot. And then... He was just able to get downhill, get to the paint. He took 19 free throws that game. 
And, you know, if they gave him the jump shot, he, you know, arguably the best shooter ever. And then even when I watched, like, Chicago, same thing. Zach Levine was able to get whatever shots he wanted. And they just have to find a way to break the lineup up. I mean, the the combination of Melo and Cantor on the floor at the same time, the defensive rating is pretty bad. I, I saw it this morning. Um, yeah, they have a negative 18 net rating with Cantor and Melo on the floor together. When it's just uh, Cantor on the floor and Melo off, Cantor is plus 18, but when the Melo's on the floor and Cantor's off, the net rating is negative eight. So they have to figure out what to do there. And then offensively, the upgrades on the defensive end, which was Derek Jones Jr. and um, Robert Covington, they're not giving the Blazers anything on offense. I think combined they're averaging 12 a game. So it's a lot of issues. And I've, I've seen an article that came out this morning pretty much calling for Stotts and Neil O'Shea to, to be fired and, Unfortunately, I think if if the Blazers don't do something this year, then one will be gone. I agree with you on that, and that's unfortunate. I did see that article that you did tweet out this morning, and unfortunately, Terry Stotts, I thought has done oh so far a decent job over the course of the past few years, but it comes to the point where Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts, they've been there so long, and you're only seeing middling returns you're not seeing the progression that you once did when they were on the upswing and when things were going good and Lillard was hitting those shots in the playoffs and, and you were moving on to the first, the second round, and even to the Western Conference Finals, I believe, at one point in time. And now these days, it's just it's not going in the way you wanted to go, even though there were some a lot of drastic changes made. And like you said, when you put out there Cantor and Carmelo and it you are getting a lot on the offensive end and you're getting a lot of rebounding, but you're losing a lot defensively. And obviously that's taking precedent at this point in time, especially with those two out there. Yeah. I mean, it's a turnstile. <laughs> it's a turnstile when you have those two out there. And then, I mean, I think someone I saw made a good point that with between those three, between Cantor, Mello and Nurk, you have three guys that are, not very well. They don't move very well laterally. And the Blazers don't really have like an athletic, athletic big that can switch out. I mean, I guess Harry Giles, but he's not playing much. But, you know, it's just going to be tough in the West if you don't have a, a mobile big that can rebound, protect the paint, and also switch. And so um, I think that's just the Blazers' biggest issue right now is their defense. And and teams are just attacking the bigs. Well, again, I, I think this is a team of the teams that are down right now, Denver, Portland, these are teams I think are just starting out trying to get a feel out. Obviously you have some injuries in the case of Denver, Michael Porter Jr. is just coming back from COVID protocol. So he'll be back hopefully to give them a boost with Portland. I mean, Collins, Zach Collins going down has got to be another injury with him. You got to worry about for his long-term future going forward on whether or not he's going to be any kind of fit for the team, but you're still trying to go ahead and find all these pieces in order to go ahead. And you thought you had it with Covington, who has been a good player overall, 
certain points of times and certain stops and times, obviously a valued individual in the league because he's been traded at least a couple times now in recent years. And then you have Derek Jones Jr. who should have been a defensive stopper for you. But again, when he's on the floor, it seems like the offense is really not where it needs to be as well. Yeah, well, I mean, Portland is scoring. Dame and CJ are putting up big numbers. Um, yeah. If if Jones Jr. and Covington can provide some outside shooting, it will open things up. I don't think they're – I mean, I think they're doing well defensively. I just think it's the bigs that are hold us back. And then when you look at Portland, we can't really say that we have injuries this year. I mean, I know Collins isn't playing, but I don't – you know, I mean, he hasn't really played much anyway since he's put on a Blazers uniform. So, yeah, expecting production out of him is something that I don't, I don't really have any expectations because he's been injured. Um, I think Rodney Hood has been out, but you know, like Dallas, for example, I expect them to be able to turn it up once Porzingis comes back. Um, they said that's probably within the next week or so. Well, let me ask you this: with Dallas, were you surprised? With Luca not coming out like a house of fire, I know a lot of people have been talking about his conditioning. Uh, were you surprised that he didn't come out with more of a fire? Because obviously, you saw the odds here in Vegas that had him as the preeminent favorite for the MVP. Not really. I think a lot of players aren't in shape because they were expecting a January start. So there's a player that I was I was working with and. I mean, I think he had just he had just had a, a surgery. Um, I think I was there in November. So I was there first week of November. He had just had his surgery that, you know, his off-season surgery. And I know another player, same thing, didn't have off-season surgery until until like October-ish. And then they thought the season was going to start at the earliest Martin Luther King Day. And then right when they announced it, that the, the players voted that they were going to have the schedule start right before Christmas, a lot of guys weren't really in shape. And so, or, or either whatever procedures they had, they were just getting cleared to play. So I believe a lot of players aren't in the best shape right now. But even for Luca, even though you can say he's quote unquote out of shape, um, I think he was still putting up like 25, 26 a game. The biggest difference was the, his shot wasn't falling from deep. But even yeah, like Jimmy Butler right now, he's only averaging like 10 points a game. That's like a big surprise to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Very, I, I very think this, Yeah, I just don't think a lot of people are in shape. Like I said, I feel like even with the Lakers, Anthony Davis doesn't look the same as how he looked in, in the bubble. Agreed. Um, he's still putting up. Last I checked, it was about nineteen a game or whatever. He did but, get twenty six last night. So yeah, so you know, I, I just think it's expected when you have a short preseason. I, I mean, some teams only play what three, or four preseason games, maybe. That and three, then, they either pay, play three or four preseason games depending yep. on the team. And you, like you said, the quick turnaround with the Lakers, it was what six weeks. With Miami, it was, what six weeks. Most of these other teams just didn't get a time to go through training camp. And if you had any injuries or any COVID protocol that you had to go through, that's even less time to prepare and practice, right? Yep. Yep. So I think you start to see guys kind of round into shape probably within the next 
week or so, week or two, and then I think people will be in game shape. Um, and then also, like I feel like some of the foreign players, if they went home, where they had stricter protocols as far as just being able to get into gyms or whatever, um, I think that could have been a setback. Um, just a lot of different factors. Some some teams are know their guys aren't in the best shape, and you see you're gonna see a lot of guys missing games here and there with with minor injuries. So it's just tough because I think this is like one of the only years that I can remember that every team outside of maybe the Thunder in the West feels like they're a playoff team. Yeah. So there aren't going to be any real like nights off. <laughs> so I think there's going to be days where you're going to have to schedule losses. Right. It looks like that, especially on those back to backs that uh, a lot of teams are now going through at this point in time, where they're going to a city and they're staying there for not only one, but two games. A lot of those teams are having the kind of attitude from what I'm seeing is, okay, we'll chalk up the first one as a loss, stay there a couple of days, get some rest, and then get them on the second game. I think that's a mentality I see right now amongst many of these teams. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know when teams are going to start. I don't know. I guess maybe at the 15-game mark, I think that's when you're probably going to see teams start to make some moves or changes or kind of figure out like, all right, this is where we're at 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 this point. But the way it's going, it's like I said, it's a year that I want to say out of the 30 teams, maybe outside of Oklahoma city, I think every team probably feels like they're a playoff team, especially with the, with the play in game. So yeah, I think, um, it's just going to be interesting to see how, how it all plays out because teams want to have the long, the end game in mind as far as like making sure their players are healthy long-term, but also you still want to make the playoffs. I don't really see a lot of teams other than the Thunder that are openly tanking and looking for a draft pick. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things I wanted to ask you is in the Eastern Conference where there's a lot of surprises right now with Orlando, New York Knicks, Cleveland. Let's say Orlando was thought about in that 7 to 10 range, but New York and Cleveland were off most everybody's radar as far as it's concerned. Moved maybe 11, 12, uh, things of that nature. Wanted to ask you this, which to you is the bigger surprise? I mean, Cleveland, you've got those two guards in Sexton and Garland, although Garland's now out, uh, who have performed, I think, now to the ability that I think a lot of people were asking them to over the course of the past couple of years. With the Knicks, they're doing it a lot with smoke and mirrors and also Tom Thibodeau with a new kind of attitude brought in there, which... Again, we've seen do great at first, but kind of wear itself out over the course of time. And then you have Orlando, which has totally gone under the radar, which is currently, as we speak, number two in the Eastern Conference. 
Is one of those teams a bigger surprise to you than the others? I don't know. And those are two teams that I have openly criticized. I was not a fan of the Sexton Garland backcourt. I definitely didn't feel like Orlando had much room to get better, but you have to be encouraged with the start for both teams. I want to say Cleveland is above 500 since Bickerstaff took over. So, um, and, and both, and they're without Kevin Love. So you can say both teams are without key pieces to their roster. Orlando's without Jonathan Isaac, who's probably not going to play this year. And then um, Kevin Love is, I think maybe he's played one game or so. Yeah. He played um, a game and I think a uh, part of a second before he went out. Yeah. So, and then Okoro hasn't played much. I think he's supposed to be active within the next day or two. Can they sustain it? I mean, it's the same thing with the Knicks. But I, I expected the Knicks to be somewhat better just because I feel like I've seen Tibbs work with undermanned teams before and be successful. I mean, I remember the year 2013-14, Noah was like in MVP voting. I've seen, I think he was like third in MVP votes. I've seen like Nate Robinson and DJ Augustine <laughs> led teams do numbers in the playoffs. So I think with this team, he's he's definitely going to make make the team better short term. And I mean he's Julius Randle was having a phenomenal year under Tibbs, which I'm happy for because Knicks fans, I mean I've never seen a fan base dislike a player as much as the Knicks fans hated Julius Randle. But I've seen him last summer or I think you mentioned last summer because you said he was summer fall. Yeah. Working. I mean, he was in the gym working, 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 working on the shot. And um, he was standing by me and I would look out my window and I riding a bike just up and down the street. So he was, um, you know, I mean, he was definitely putting in the time and the hours which is needed to have a big season. And he, he came in in great shape. His shot is looking better. And He's become more of a playmaker, which I think is surprising to me. I mean, uh, averaging close to seven assists, too, as well. Well, I've always thought he was a pretty good passer. Uh, I remember even when he was in high school, some people were comparing him to Lamar Odom because he was left-handed and he was playing a lot of point forward. So I've always known known that he had the playmaking. Um, I just think that Tibbs has put the ball in his hands a lot more. He was always a little out of control to me and picked up a lot of charges and didn't really oh, have yeah. great pace to his game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're putting the ball in his hands and letting him go. But it's the same thing that he did with Noah. I mean, I thought Noah was a, a good passer for a big, but that year, 13-14, he literally gave him the keys to the offense, and he was their playmaker. And so I, it seems like that's the same role that he has for Randall this year. I'm very happy for him. I mean, you're right. When it came to early on his career with the Lakers, we could always count on, and I've said this before, we could always count on two offensive charges from him each and every game. I mean, it was just like clockwork. It would happen each and every time. I mean, just the way he would just try to barrel over someone, just use his sheer strength. Yeah. It was kind of interesting to see how his career has developed into somebody that even in new Orleans, you know, he didn't have the outside shot yet. It was still something that he couldn't rely on. It was always just put his head down and charge the basket. And now he's becoming more of a complete player. And I'm very happy for him because it makes his value going forward a lot more interesting 
whether or not he stays with the Knicks or goes to a contending team. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because they just drafted Obi Toppin. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) Who's conveniently injured at this time. Who's injured at the time. And, um, (laughs) you know, like I've mentioned before on on past episodes, Obi is a CAA guy along with Quickly and Rivers and Peyton. (laughs) So... So yeah, I, I wonder what they're what they're going to do. Um, simply because I don't know. This is what I, I'm guessing. All right, let's say this was a normal year, and if this was a normal year, the Garden would be rocking right now. Knicks fans would, I mean, they have hope. They see hope. It would be hard to move Randall. Yeah. But right now, um, is he in their long term plans? I don't know simply because well it's like what what i talked about with san antonio the other day when when the lakers were playing san antonio the san antonio has a lot of young talent that they need to develop and they have four very good assets which can all score still in the nba which can all defend to a certain level and all four of them are still marketable enough commodities where you can get late first round draft picks maybe high seconds for each of them and use that going forward. It's just whether or not as an organization you want to commit to that, or do you want to try and play for that seven to 10 spot? Yeah. um, You're talking about as far as like possibly moving Aldridge or DeRozan? Aldridge, DeRozan, Mills, and Gay. I mean, those are the four veterans that they have that are currently in a rotation that all have had 20-point games so far this season Yeah, and all have proven to still be valuable. I know Laker Tom kind of scoffed at me and laughed at me that said that they were all had uh, some value, but I believe that they all are still playing with enough value right now that they can be effective for playoff teams. So you got to make the choice of the organization and same thing with New York. Are you taking this early start as something you want to go ahead and make a drive for the playoffs? Or do you want to go ahead? And like you said, with a Julius Randall, do you see him as a long-term fit? Are you a buyer or are you a seller? Yeah, and that's going to be the million-dollar question. And I think after about 15 to 20 games, we're going to start seeing which teams are going to focus on this 2021 draft class, which is supposed to be pretty deep. I know, like, right now, it looks like the Thunder would have two top 10 picks. And if the Mavs continue to fall, which I don't expect them to, the Knicks would have their own pick and the Mavs pick. So if they miss the playoffs, they'll obviously have a lottery pick. And and best case scenario for them is two lottery picks. And I, I don't know protection on the Dallas pick, so I don't I don't want to uh, go ahead of myself there. But I do know they have the Mavs pick for sure. It's going to be very interesting to see how that lays out. And before we do talk NBA draft prospects, Again, it's Rafael Barlow. You got to go ahead and check him out. As far as prospects are concerned, there are many videos already on the 2021 draft prospects that are available that you should be interested in looking at. And you can check that out today at NBADraftJunkies.com and NBADraftJunkies on YouTube. Before we go into 2021's draft, I want to ask you this on 2020. Some of the rookies that have started out so far, some of them have actually been pretty good. Some of them way above our expectations. So who has stuck out to you the most? I know Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, somebody that 
a lot of people like you and I said went way too low in the draft. It's now proving a lot of people uh, right that that was the case. I know there's other individuals out there that are pleased by the start by James Wiseman, who has gotten off to, you know, some ups and downs, but actually looks like he's he's going to become a, a pretty good player in the league. At least I see some good signs so far. Anything that sticks out to you in regards to that? I know when it comes to the ringer, and you know who owns the ringer, Bill Simmons, is already claiming Peyton Pritchard as the fourth best rookie in the draft mm-hmm. class right now. So I want to hear your thoughts on this draft class so far and how it's fared out for you. Um, I thought Wiseman is about right where I thought he would be. I think he was in a good situation where he didn't really have to do anything but kind of But run you see flashes, man. You see flashes. Yeah, I, see, I definitely see flashes. But he's just in a good situation and he's really raw because he hasn't really played um lamello has been he's been pretty good he's definitely provided some excitement after his first game he went like 0 for 5 killian hayes who's out with a hip injury now he's been he struggled i think he's in a unique situation because he starts the game but he's not getting the majority of the minutes which rightfully so i mean derrick rose is a better player but he's definitely struggled and in the minutes he has played, he looks like he's trying to be somewhat of a game manager. So he's he's got off to a, a rough start, and then this injury doesn't doesn't help by any means. Halliburton was a guy that I wasn't as high on as others. I thought he was a, a player that needed to go to certain teams for it to be the best fit. And I think that he ended up going into one of those situations, which was ideal for him. I thought that... The best fits for him were Sacramento, Phoenix. I thought Orlando would have been a good fit for him. And I thought even like Golden State would have been a good fit if they were going to to move down. And he's playing this hybrid guard role where he can be the point guard, but he can also complement the point guard and have two decision makers on the floor and also knock down open shots. So I thought that he landed in a good situation. I would much rather see him in that type of situation than maybe Detroit where he was expected to be like the engine. So yeah. I'm not too shocked by how well he's playing. Uh, Peyton Pritchard has been a big surprise. I Shout had out to the Weisenbergs. Uh, yeah. Uh, I absolutely love this. A little biased because, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, they're in Oregon, but uh, yeah. That, yeah, definitely. he He's caught me by surprise because I actually had him going like number 46 to Portland. I didn't think he was a first-round pick, and Danny Ainge selected him in the first round, and he's playing He's playing very well. I think he had like a 26-point game a couple of days yep. ago, and he's – I mean, it's going to be hard to cut his minutes down once Kimba Walker comes back. So he's definitely been a, a major surprise. Emmanuel, quickly, you mentioned from the Knicks – He's someone that a lot of people were really scratching their heads on. Although I thought personally he was right on that edge of the end of the first round, top of the second round Mm -hmm. for me. But he is proving that he can at least be very competitive in this league. And I like the start that he's had so far with the Knicks. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been hurt. So he's had, uh, he's missed a couple games, but the last, the last game or two, he's really looks well or looks good. Play crunch time. Played yeah. played all the fourth quarter the other day. You know, our Knicks fans are really happy with his progress. Yeah, especially if Julius Randle is going to be their primary 
distributor and quickly is a shooter. That's one of the things that he does well. So he doesn't necessarily have to do all the creating and all that. He can knock down open shots and then just kind of not necessarily have to run the offense and do what he does best, which is knock down open shots. But he's he's played well. Um trying to think. Okoro missed some games. Patrick Williams, he's been solid. The thing with him is that he's been good, but Otto Porter's been better. And once uh, Markinen comes back, if you really want to win, like right now in the playoffs, then I think Porter has to play more minutes. And I, I would start Porter and Markinen. But then Porter is, I think he would be a valuable piece in, in the trade market. He has a pretty big contract, but if he's healthy, he's, he would be a, a good complimentary piece to a team that's looking to to make a run at it so chicago has uh, some choices to make there absolutely uh you know and there's still some growing pains for some others uh i know alexi pokashevsky you and i both said has some skills someone who we think that is going to take a while to develop yep. so far that has proven to be the case uh, i've seen some time right now with with him in oklahoma city and on the offensive end, it's still a struggle for him. So I'm hoping he'll get a chance to develop and that they'll be patient with him because he fills out and develops more into the offensive scheme of things because right now it's it's a struggle for him. But uh, there's still others out there, you know, so far. I think I think right now for me, the 2020 rookie class is exceeding my expectations. How about you? Slightly. Yeah, they've been pretty good. Um, you know, we forgot to mention Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick. I think he's playing well. You know, as far as he's putting the ball in the hole, we knew he could score. Um, but he's he's in a role in, in Minnesota where he's splitting time with Beasley, who's been their second best player this year. And um Culver. I think eventually he ends up taking a starting spot. Another rookie that I like a lot and I've been high on him is Compazzo for Denver. I feel like they didn't know what they had in him. Early, or at least maybe the the front they office. They weren't playing did. him much early. Yeah, I feel like the front office knew what they had in him, but the coaching staff didn't. And now that he's been given a little bit more minutes in a row, I think he's going to be really, really effective for them. Even though they're struggling, they're going to have to figure it out. So, but I think their issues might be similar to Portland in a sense. If you have Jokic and Porter Jr. on the floor together, I think um, you know. I know last year they were bad together. And they don't have Jerry and Grant to cover to cover up for them this year, so I think that could be their issue. Do you think they're the leading candidate to go ahead and trade for James Harden? I'm beginning to think that might be the case. I'm starting to think Harden's going to end up being there in Houston. Just me. I, I know Philadelphia is a natural fit, but for me, I'm thinking that it'll end, end up being Denver because I think they have more to throw at Houston in a trade than what Philadelphia can offer. Well, I mean, I think it just depends on what Michael Porter Jr. his back. I know that I've heard from from some reliable sources that there were some teams that just didn't have him on their draft board at all. They said his back was that bad, and they didn't think that he, there was going to be much longevity. So it depends on Houston. If their staff has red flagged him and they don't think that his back will hold up, then – he would be the centerpiece in a trade. I I don't think you'd want to give up Murray. I don't know who they who they would give up. Um, but I, I'm just starting to think that Harden is going to be stuck with Dinwiddie going down. I think he would have been a 
part of the trade for Brooklyn, and then Philly is like six and one. They have the best record. It makes no sense to make a trade there. Um, even though I feel like Ben Simmons is, I mean, he's a big piece to what they're doing, but I feel like he's he just hasn't improved as a player. He's the same player he was four years ago. Very good player, but he just hasn't shown any any progression as far as adding on to his game. Then I keep hearing rumors like Toronto, but what pieces would Toronto have? And then um, Masai is not under contract for next year. So, yeah, I think Harden is just going to have to end up making it work, and, and he's probably going to be stuck in Houston unless a team gets really, really desperate. But I still don't know if Houston – I mean, I think the Rockets have the – I mean, they have the the power to say, no, we're going to keep him unless we get something that we really, really want. Unless Harden, like, really, like, acts a fool and enforces their hand, which at this point I don't think he will. No, because they're they're a competitive team right now, and they've got a lot of good pieces there. And it's so funny mm-hmm. because I've been wanting to say this on the air for a while now. Every time I go to ESPN.com, a certain page, it, it brings up uh, some uh, on the sidebar some of these social media posts from the ESPN personalities, but it hasn't changed for now for like uh, about a, over three, four weeks now, it's in some cases, six to eight weeks. And one of the posts I see was done just before training camp at Houston that I, it's just right there plastered where I go as far as from the NBA standings. And what shows up is Eric Carabell, the fantasy guy mm-hmm. talking about how John wall is not only a do not draft, but do not take him, do not pick him up as a free agent, do not do anything with him. And look at him, man. John Wall has had a, a great resurgence. He looks not quite, but almost as good as what he did before, which is pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought I thought between him and Kevin Durant, I thought Durant had the easier comeback as far as being closer to what he was simply because his yeah. game wasn't based off of speed and, and athleticism. But Wallace shocked me. I mean, he hasn't played in like two years, and he still looks fast. He still looks explosive. He can get to the basket without a screen if needed. And um, he, he looks good. It's just now we got to figure out the fit, you know, what, what they're going to do with with him and Harden together. And I'm sure, like, it's probably awkward in the locker room in a sense. I mean, I think the players would understand – you know, why Harden feels the way he feels, but also you have the new guys who are like, you know, we weren't here last year. And I think, I I believe like um, Wall and and Cousins and Wood probably want to make it work with Harden. And they're going to try to have to convince him like, man, if we stick stick this out, we can win some games. So, um, but wait, Wall has looked pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, And that's a very encouraging sign for a team that is in, Right now, kind of like a, a weird position. Do they want to go ahead and compete for the now, or do they want to go ahead and trade for the future going forward? And because they do have that mercurial player in Harden that could get them a, a king's ransom per se, and and bring back a lot for the future going forward for the team. So, I think uh, Raphael Stone has to make some choices in regards to that whether he wants to go ahead and commit going forward because you still do have Harden, but at least for another this season and next, I think is, is his contract yeah. status, but you know, as his end date gets closer, his value 
drops a little just because it's so much closer to free agency. So you have to be concerned about if you're going to commit to a trade, when you do it and when you don't. Yeah, I don't think any team is going to trade for him. I guess you can't really have 100% certainty that he would resign, but at least put him in a position to where you think he would resign. So that's why like Toronto wouldn't really make much sense to me simply because I don't think he, he'd stay there long term. Yeah, and then, I mean, I've seen him open up. I read that he opened up his list of teams. So I know, like, if it's Boston, they, they're going to want Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I don't think Danny Ainge would give up one of those two guys. So he has, you know, they're, like, probably, what, 22, 23, maybe 24 at the most, yeah. signed long-term. I don't know if he'd give those two up for Harden. Especially with Brown signed at a, a reduced rate and you're getting way overvalued at this point for his services. Yeah, definitely. He definitely should have been a max guy. Portland, I don't think Portland has the young piece that Houston would want. I mean, they, they would, I mean, I guess get CJ McCollum, who's maybe a couple years younger. He may not even be a couple years younger. He may be even the same age. So I don't think that makes sense because Portland just doesn't have the young piece that Houston would need even with Denver like if I'm Denver if I want Harden I, I want to have my big three of Harden Murray and Jokic so yeah I think he might be stuck I really do this is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break hey Lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the world champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Com. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, whether or not he is stuck in Houston or is going to be moved at the trade deadline to a contender. We'll see how this plays out, but there's so much to always talk about, and there's no better for me to talk about the NBA with than my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. I truly appreciate him stopping by. Please check out his awesome experience, NBA Draft Junkies, and also the Run the Floor podcast. And of course, catch him on Mondays on Dash Radio. Please also as well go ahead and do that. But before we head on out, my friend, it is the draft 2021. Everybody seems to be excited for it. It's supposed to be an up year for the draft as far as the talent evaluation is concerned. I know there's been little movement at number one. Kate Cunningham is still look like a number one pick so far. Jalen Suggs has been the prime mover up into a top three position. Evan Mobley has been obviously doing well for USC. I've been watching him, and, and it seems like he's still bringing a lot to the game. But it comes to the point whether you want a, a guard or a wing or do you want to go with a big man. And in this era, a lot of people will be leaning towards the the wings and the guard-type deal as far as, uh, obviously, the way the NBA is structured right now. But anyone stick out to you at this point in time as far as in a good or bad way for the NBA draft so far? Yeah, I have a few guys that I like. The last video I did was on Moses Moody from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I like him as a 
a three and D shooter, but I think he is a, a pretty good playmaker as far as his, his passing instincts and his passing skills. I think he's a really good complimentary piece. Um, I've actually was able to obtain footage from the G League Ignite team. So I haven't been able to watch that game yet, but I plan to soon. There's a couple of guys that I like. There's a guy I'm, I'm supposed to have him on my podcast scheduled within the next couple of days that I really like. I think he could be this year's Pokashevsky. His name is Vrenz Blindberg. I, I remember you mentioned that, like, I think last yeah. week on one of your updates. Yep, supposed to have him on uh, this week. I really, really like him. I think that he could possibly be a, a first-rounder. Um, saw that video. Yep, thank you for watching. Uh, yeah, then there's guys like uh, Delano Banton from Nebraska, another 6'9 point guard. There's, I think this year could be like 2020 in a sense, except with 2020, you, you I felt like you had your top three, and then after that it kind of tailed off. I think with this year you have your top five for sure with uh, Cunningham, Stuggs, Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jonathan Kaminga. I think those guys are – probably going to stay in the top five and then after that it's wide open but I also feel like it's similar to 2020 as to where picks 15 through 35 there might not be that much of a difference so um, got a lot of time so I'm still studying the the different prospects but this this draft is is interesting simply because one there's a lot more depth and then there's also, like, I mentioned two of the G League guys, but there's possibly four G League guys that we, we haven't really seen. And and then just kind of curious to see how that whole G League situation works out because they're not supposed to play their first game until, like, February, like, 8th or something like that. But they've been doing some scrimmages so far. I mean, the first one obviously didn't get off to good success, but I, I know that they won their second. But they've been getting off to some good scrimmages so far at least. Well, the thing is that only only information that we'll have is what the league wants you to know. And at the okay. end of the day, the league wants this program to succeed. So the information that the public is going to get is not going to be anything but positive news It's because they're controlling it. So, yeah, that's the thing that makes it really, really tricky is because they really want this program to succeed and they don't want it to, they don't want any of the players draft stock to fall because if it does, then you miss out on your Chet Holmgren's and your Monty Bates for the coming year. So, and also I just think like if they're not, they've been scrimmaging, right. And they've been practicing since at least let's say November, the first mm -hmm. game isn't until like February 8th. No other G League team knows their roster yet. They haven't even had the G League draft. And then you have like, I want to say 11 or 12 teams that haven't even, that aren't even going to play in the G League bubble. So they're going to have a major advantage over any other team. <laughs> so that may help them as far as like execution and looking good and, and, and so on. So you also kind of have to factor that in. If if they out execute other teams, is because they they've had like months of practice and time to prepare and scrimmages. While, like I said, as of today, like I think just yesterday, January fifth, guys were signing contracts to play in the G League. 
and then the draft isn't until I think the 11th. And then after that, then guys would like report to the market f- to do the, the quarantine and all that. Then they go there. So this other team, the Ignite team has been, they're going to be good to go. Well, we'll see what happens, but I'm very interested to see how that parlays their success or lack there of success in this G League experiment, per se, for lack of a better term, developmental team, what have you. I'm, I'm curious to see how well it will affect their draft stock one way or the other. I mean, will it do it in a positive or negative fashion? I think you and I will go ahead and have these discussions, I think, in the not-too-distant future, once it starts to weed itself out, I'm glad you got a chance to go ahead and check out the footage or at least have the footage that you're going to be able to check out. So I'm glad you got the opportunity for that. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to go ahead and say it's been fantastic again, catching up with you, catching up on all the NBA, but for the deepest insight on everything going on with the NBA draft, tell us what updates you have in store for us at NBA draft junkies. Just um, content, content, content. I want to do like five videos per week, which is doable. It's it's the voiceovers is what slows me down. Now, if I just put out the videos that I, I did and and just put the different clips with nothing, I could pump out ten a week. But what's really crazy about this whole situation is I looked at like my videos from the 2019 draft. I did absolutely zero voiceovers. And the videos did a lot better as far as numbers. I know you told me that. And I was kind of disheartened because I kind of like the voiceovers, but that's just. Yeah, I I think it's, I don't know. I think it, it makes the product better, but for whatever reason that I didn't get the same amount of, same amount of views for whatever reason, maybe it's more people doing it. I don't know, but I'm going to stick with the voiceovers. And um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, put the videos together and I started like paying attention. It's like at the minimum, it's like a five or six hour process per video because I have to watch the guys film. And, and then um, once I watch the film and take notes, then it's like, I'm putting the clips together, dividing it up into the categories. I like Then Once I divide it up into the categories, I put it together, create the graphics. And then I have to like save my voiceovers to make sure it matches with every clip. And then if I, when I write the voiceovers out, if it's too long and I don't have enough clips to cover what I said, then so it's a process like five or six hours per video, but I have, I got to do it, you know? So, so, um, but yeah, my goal is maybe like five to seven per week. As someone who does something similar in regards to doing podcasts, especially the radio shows that I throw out there every Monday and Friday for the pop culture cosmos. That one takes about a good four hours because essentially I do a lot of the same things that you do. How can I take this, this what for you, which is even harder because yours is not an hour long show. When you do these updates, when you do these previews, they're, they're less time, but they take you longer to go ahead and make. Yeah. Like when I do my stuff for dash radio, it's a 55 minute show. It's probably shorter because if I do it by myself, I, you know, I can write out what I want to say. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a script. It can just be bullet points. And then I, you know, go through it and then, you know, I, I make sure it's a little bit longer so I can cut. But when it comes to the videos, even though they're shorter, it's like I'm actually writing out a script. I try to do it just 
kind of like freestyling it, but writing out the script. Um, and I have to make sure what I have written out is the same as have the number of clips to match or so on. But I have to, I'll, I'll figure out a way to make it a little bit shorter, make the process a little easier. But at the end of the day, it's something I enjoy doing. And I give myself these lofty goals. And even if I, even if I don't like accomplish the five to seven a week, let's say I'm halfway done, then I'm still adding, you know, like 12 prospects a month, which I, I should end up with, you know, <laughs> a good amount. I should cover at least the first round and and, and more with, with that total. So I'll keep going. I have plenty of time. Absolutely. Like you said, it's always about content, content, and yep. more content. Yep. And one of the YouTube uh, channels I follow it has well over a million subscribers. And if he ever misses a day, people let him know. And they're absolutely livid. And I can just tell in his 10 minute or so videos or whatnot, dealing with pop culture, that like you, it takes five to six hours to make. These aren't things that you make just like that. Yeah. And for him to take a day off almost seems people just get up in arms over. And with you, like you said, you're now, you as your base is growing, you're seeing the people become more and more dependent on what you have to offer. So it's very interesting how that works out, my friend, but I'm truly appreciative of your efforts. I truly cannot thank you enough for doing that. And so thankful that I got a chance to finally connect with you. Anything you need from me, you just let me know. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You got it, my friend. All the best to you. I'm hoping your Trailblazers will right the ship, start playing a little bit better defense. Obviously, they can score with the best of them, but I know it makes you feel better as well as a Blazers fan if you can get them going in the right direction. I look forward to more and better things from the Portland Trailblazers and a lot of these other competing teams which have gotten off to a slow start. In fact, I'm going to check in with Raphael here in two, three weeks. We'll, we'll check back in after 15, 20 games, see how things are going, see if those trends are continuing, see if there's still all those surprises, because it's always a great pleasure talking to him. Once again, it's Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Please check out everything that he's doing on Dash Radio, the Run the Floor podcast, and of course, anything that you're doing when you type in the words NBA Draft Junkies. Well, my friend, it's great as always to talk to you. I look forward to speaking again real soon right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.